Hi, church. Uh, real quick, I want to show you something on my hand. I wrote some notes on my hand. So I'll tell you why I did that. I want to teach you a, a good habit if you don't have it already. And that was when somebody asks you to pray, don't go, yeah, yeah, I'll pray. When they ask you, hey, would you pray for me? I say, yep, let's do it. Pray right then. Dave asked me to pray. Now, I think, Ryan, now I, wanted, I, wanted to, I wanted Ryan to do it this way. He could have just prayed because um, Dave sent me a message about Frank and Eileen and uh, Romero. I think yeah, that's how their last yeah. name is. And you may, Romano, Romano. And Eileen has, um, her condition's gotten pretty bad, and they're considering putting her on hospice. So we want to pray. Actually, she, actually she is in hospice. She's in hospice. Um, okay. Um, Frank and Frank and Eileen had reached out. Um, they were the first ones, you know, when they responded and started doing some church service, they were the first ones there that day. Um, before we even started the church service, before we even started the church service, um, we had a bunch of prayer meetings over at Dave's house and, and, and whatnot, and they were faithfully there. Um, they faithfully wanted to be, you know, part of the yeah. ministry, um, be hands-on, and then that's when um, her um, cancer just really hit, hit her hard. Um, they haven't been here that, that much. Frank was here last week, but, uh, yeah, uh, from what I hear, uh, Frank, um, she's in hospice, and the doctors are basically kind of giving her – you know, no, no hope, basically. Yeah. So, well, let's let's pray for Eileen. Um, let's let's just get this done. Okay, yeah, we'll pray for our brother. Lord, we just come before you right now, and we just, um, Lord, we are amazed at uh, at who you are and, and what you do, and um, Lord, we just we just praise you, Lord. We we ask right now, Lord, that uh, um, Lord, that your spirit and your hand will just be upon Frank and and Eileen, Lord. Lord, just give Frank peace. Lord, uh, you, we don't know what he's going through or what he's thinking. Or, um, Lord, so we just ask right now, Lord, that you would just calm his spirit. Lord, that uh, you would just touch Eileen, Lord. Lord, that, uh, um, Lord, it's hard for us to, to, to ask all these things and, and, and wants and needs. And, Lord, but ultimately it is your will, Lord. So we just pray that your will will be done, Lord. Lord, that you would just give the doctors the wisdom that they need, Lord. Uh, comfort her in this time, Lord, that uh, as she is um, in, in this care right now, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, that uh, as this time of rest that she has, Lord, that you would just speak to her, Lord. Speak to Frank, guide him, and direct him, Lord. We love you, and we ask this in your name. Amen. Yes, Father God, and I just thank you for uh, Eileen. Just, uh, just ask for mercy. Mercy and comfort for her. We thank you that you give peace to her family. We thank you that your name is glorified through this, that your presence and uh, your truth would reach out through their family and to others, through Eileen's life. And we just thank you for that. Thank you for this night. We thank you for uh, blessing us with the awareness of your Holy, your Holy Spirit, Father God, here tonight. Bless us that we're aware of his presence. Thank you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, awesome. brother. That was really cool because I came in tonight and I, David asked me to pray. And I really had it, it was weird, I really had it pressed upon my heart to, that there was someone here that was supposed to pray. And I, and I got here in the back and I go, I'm not supposed to pray. Someone's supposed to pray for uh, Eileen. He goes, I've had it on my heart to pray for Eileen. I just love God. It's just all a big setup. He's sovereign, right? 
That means he's in control. If you didn't know, I used to sit in church and go, what's sovereign mean? I did. <laughs> he's in control. So I'm glad I know what that means now. Well, uh, thank you for having me. I love, I love coming here. I've been here in about a year. Uh, Pastor Dave is... I consider him, I don't know if he considers me, I consider him one of my, one of my best friends. He's a dear friend and, a, and he's also a mentor. I consider him a mentor. And I'll tell you, uh, people's lives really speak sometimes about other people. And knowing Dave the way that I've got to know him, I've went, finished the school of ministry with him, um, tells me, I don't know Rod all that well, but seeing Dave's life, it tells me a lot about Rod. Knowing Dave's story and how he started here tells me that you people are in good hands with your pastors. That they care about the sheep. You're blessed. You are blessed. And, uh, and I'm blessed to know them. So I just, wanna, uh, just wanted to point that out because they are, they are a blessing. So we better get to this because my sermon is two hours long. <laughs> So that's a joke. Okay. <coughs> so timing's not always there. So as we get going, I want you to think about, and I'm sure that you've had this experience at one point or another where um, you're around people who maybe don't agree with everything you say. Maybe you're around non-believers uh, that are not happy that you're there. Or something's just irking you on the inside, you know, and you want to say something. You know, you want to let them have an earful. You know what I'm saying? And you, but you know, if, if I say something right now, oh, it's maybe a lot worse than it is right now if I say it. So I'm just going to shut up and walk away. You ever feel that way? Come on, you felt that way. You can talk to me. I'm very passionate. I like response. You ever feel that way? Awesome, good, because I feel that way a lot. So, um, I'm going to tell you the answer to that tonight. I'm going to tell you the answer to the next time you have it just right there in the pit of your stomach, that burning in your heart, and you want to let it fly, and the scripture shows us exactly what to do. And I'm going to share that with you tonight. And I'm excited to share that with you. That, that little hint, that little nugget that will quench the fire that burns right here. So, but before we do that, uh, I want to tell you a little story. And it's a story about it. And you may have heard the story a couple different ways. It's a great story. It's a story about a young man who had that in his stomach and in his heart a lot. The only problem was he liked to let them have it. He always was letting them have it. He had an anger problem. And his dad pulled him aside and go, this is getting pretty out of hand. So what I'm going to have you do, son, is every time you get angry and sin from your mouth, I'm going to give you these nails. And you're going to go out to my fence in the backyard and you're going to drive a nail all the way into the fence. So he did it. And about the first day of this, he drove in about 40 nails into the fence, just driving them in one after another. Just going, driving nails into the fence. 
Well, pretty soon, after days of this, you know, it gets to be tiring. He's starting to figure it out. You know, it's a lot easier to just control my anger and my sin than drive all these nails in the flesh. So some days went past, and he said, Dad, you know, the other day I didn't even have to drive one nail in the fence. It was awesome. Like one day I didn't even drive one nail in the fence. His dad was happy. He said, that's great. He goes, I'm going to tell you what. From now on, every time you have a whole day, a whole day that you don't have to drive a nail in that fence, you can pull one out. So some time went past, some time went past, and pretty soon he got every single nail out of that fence. And his dad was proud. But he said, son, come here, let's go look at something. I want you to look at the fence. Boy, that's a lot of holes in the fence. The only problem is, son, once we've driven the holes in the fence, you just, you can't fix it. It leaves scars. It leaves scars. Have you left some scars? We'll talk more about that. If you have your Bibles with you, let's turn to Psalms 39. We're going to turn to Psalms 39. And um, let's get a little break here. Let's get, get there. And David here, if you know a little bit about David, I'm sure you do. He probably had several holes in the fence, right, through David's life. Uh, in other words, David was a passionate guy. And passionate guys uh, sometimes like to speak first. Think later, right? Just want to say, otherwise, like, or David was also known for, you know, just fighting fire with fire. What would you say? Want some? Putting it right back. So David had some, some holes in the fence. He had driven some nails in the fence in the fence, so to speak. And here in a psalm, let's just cover that real quick, just for, just remember always when you're in church and no matter where you're, you're at, always think of everybody and where everybody's at. There's always a wide range of knowledge. People who have sat in church for years, people who maybe just dropped in for the first time. Um, and the psalms, just to put it simply, is songs of praise, adoration of God. And this particular psalm is a lament psalm. It's a... a it's where you're laying a troubled situation on the Lord. And to be more specific, this is an individual lament uh, psalm, meaning David's laying his troubles. And there's a lot of these where he's just laying his own stuff on the Lord. And one of my favorite things about David is his, just his ability and his openness to be honest with God. Seemingly at all times, you know, just honest. Just laying it on the line. Listen, that's a great lesson. God's not afraid of your stuff. He already knows. Okay? It's okay just to be honest. God loves um, our, our heart to be open and honest. So he, David comes before the Lord strong. And it's one thing I really, really love about David. And we're going to see that in this psalm. So I'm actually just going to read. I'm going to read the psalm out loud. Just going to get the feeling in the air here so we can just, just all... Hear this. So he says, I said, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. 
I will guard my mouth with a muzzle so long as the wicked are in my presence. I was mute and silent. I held my peace to no avail. And my distress grew worse. My heart became hot within me. As I mused, the fire burned. And then I spoke with my tongue. Oh, Lord, make me know my end. And what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. And now, O oh Lord, for what do I wait my hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me scorn of a fool. I am mute. I do not open my mouth. For it is you who have done it. Remove your stroke from me. I am spent by the hostility of your hand. When you discipline man with rebukes for sin, you consume like a moth what is dear to him. Surely all mankind is a mere breath. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears, for I am a sojourner with you, a guest like all my fathers. Look away from me that I may, that I may smile again before I depart and am no more. Wow. <laughs> See, there we have it. David is about to snap. He's about to snap. It's burning up within him. His anger is fueled up and he's ready to go. And he's just about to sin with his mouth. He's just about to let it fly. The wicked are in his presence. They're around him. They're, they're, they're in his life. And David realizes by this time in his life that this is a mistake that I shouldn't be making anymore. People are watching me. I am a representative of God. And I don't want to do damage or put doubt on the providence of God. Just basically the providence of God. Uh, just define it as his uh Guardianship, his care over his crate, over his creatures and his creation. He knows he's representing that. And right off the bat, he says, I said I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle so long as the wicked are in my presence. I was mute, silent. I held my peace to no avail. And my distress grew worse. My heart became hot within me as I mused. The fire burned and then I spoke with my tongue. David was a passionate guy. And he spoke with his tongue. A few words that really stand out to me here. The wicked, let's just say the wicked morally wrong. Or like a little guy might say, bad guy. A bad guy, right? The morally wrong. They're in his presence. 
They want to discredit David. They want to slander David. They remember probably even slandering God. And he's feeling it in his stomach. Oh. I, we don't know exactly what these people are doing or what they're saying. But David is, David is clear that whatever they're doing, whatever they're doing, it's burning. And he wants to give them that earful. He's going to sin possibly. His heart became hot within him as he mused. And the fire burned hot. And there's that word, another word that's really interesting here. Mused, a murmur, a complaint, a groaning. Are you tonight musing over something, a groaning in your stomach? Are you holding it in? Maybe even on the way here, did you let them have it? Maybe it's from a while back. You've had it and you let them have it. Do the people that you let them have it, do they know that you are a Christian? Is the questioning of God's providence on the line because of something that came out of your mouth? Man, I, I just got to share right now my, uh, for you guys who want to be pastors, pray a lot. Because every time someone asks me to speak, I'm always like, oh, Lord, what is it you want me to go through now? See, because God has a real great way of taking you through some discipline, taking you through the sermon so then you can give the sermon. And as soon as David asked me, my wife and I, we've been under a gauntlet all week. So I don't know who it's for. I know it was for us this week. We already got it. So now it's your turn. So good luck with this week. We'll be praying for you. <laughs> good news is we win. Don't worry. I know the rest of the book. So, so are you amused that murmur? Do they know? Is there people in your life that you're putting it on the line for? Remember what David said in verse 1. I said I will guard my ways. That I may not sin with my tongue, I will guard my mouth with a muzzle. Some of us have needed a muzzle this week. I needed one a couple of times. That's so easy, isn't it? It's so easy to just say this stuff. And then we have to go out, you know, and play ball. It's that thing, you know, you can go and sit in the stands and, and watch them play baseball. This is how you take ground balls. And you're like, I could do that. Okay, take some ground balls. Listen, I can hit a ground ball at you that will make you scream. You have to get it. And that's God. He gives it, he gives us the, the, he gives it to us, and then we have to go out and play ball. Man. The muzzle. The muzzle that we need. See, we need to tame this thing. And a lot of you, right, the thing that I just said, a lot of you right now go, I know exactly where he's going. I've been sitting in church for 30 years. I know exactly the book he's going to. Don't say the book. If you know the book, raise your hand. Taming the tongue. If you, if you know the book, raise your hand. I won't call you out. Yeah. Right? Because, well, it's a how-to book, right? 
the Proverbs of the New Testament. And just listen to this. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. They are so large and they are driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder. Whether they will... um, whether the will of their pilot directs, whether the will of their pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire. By hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is restless, evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord, our Father, and with it we curse the people who were made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers, these things ought not to be so. That's sitting right here on your little face. Yeah, that little thing right there can just roll you. Can just lay you out. I had a lifetime of, I'm telling you right now, you guys watch these guys, Howard Stern, this uh, Conor McGregor guy, all these guys, shooting their mouths off. I'm telling you right now, not one of them, when I was in the flesh, I don't fear them at all. I'd have leveled them. My tongue was thinking before it and saying it. To this day, I have to stop it from rolling insult and slander and comebacks. I prided myself on comebacks and letting you have it. And the more you let it fly, the more you were going to be dropped. And that was the game. And you pay the price. Some of you practiced it for a long time. But you need to put the muzzle on. But don't worry, we're going to get the answer. We're going to get the answer. Let's hear a little more fun stuff about your tongue. That was James 3. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness, rampant wickedness, and receive the meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. James 1. James just keeps throwing. Here comes James again. If anyone sinks, he is religious. There's some religious people here. Come to church all the time. I've been to church 30 years, right? And does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart. That person's religion is worthless. Tell us what you think, James. Wow. Now, are you getting me what I've been through all week? My wife has been through all week. You can't just talk about the game. When you ask to be in God's family, you come in, he adopts you. It's the best thing about God. You're in the game. 
you're to go into the world and make disciples. You don't get to sit on the sidelines. Where, and that's as you go. Remember I told you last time I said, wherever you're at, preaching the word of God to be reconciled back to Christ, you have a job to do. You're in the game. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Proverbs 21. You see, you don't have to fight. You don't have to fight when that uncontrollable burn comes. You don't have to do it. But we train ourselves to do it. David had done it, and, and, and he knew. He knows God. But now he's at a point where he's like, listen, I know, I'm not doing that anymore. Romans 12 tells us, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. See, you don't have to have the comeback. If you believe this stuff, right, Christian, God is sovereign. God says, vengeance is mine. Mm. Yeah, but I really like to have this one. Here's a great example of it. I love this. It's like application, application right out of the Bible. In Exodus 14, 14, the Israelites, Moses brought them out, right? They're coming up to the sea. And the, the Egyptians are behind them. And God's done all these things for them. He set them free, and now they're scared again. They're complaining. They're whining. They're moaning. And then Moses speaks, and he says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only That's a whole army up there. They're right there. Just want me to just be quiet. Yeah, shut it. Remember this big pillar we're following? He's got it. See, but we forget. I this is the question I continually ask myself when I get fearful, when I get scared. Am I a Christian or not? Is God real or not? He is, right? I'm, I'm here. I'm a Christian. I've seen what he's done in my life. He feeds me all the time. I'm no different than these guys. He's fed me. He's took care of me. He's freed me from my sin. He's blessed my family. He's blessed all kinds of things. But yet I still, just like the Israelites, want to keep fighting it myself. Am I a Christian or not? My wife and I are both very vocal. <laughs> She's way worse than me. <laughs> but we're passionate. So when we have arguments, we have good ones. But we also love heart. But we answer to God. We answer to God, and God's the one who keeps us together. God's the one who repairs us. Because we always get to the point, don't we, Emily, where we're like, are we Christians or not? I'm so glad no one's seen this right now. You need only to be silent. 
Remember when we first got started tonight, and I told you I was going to give you the scripture of, so uh, to quench the fire that's burning within you. So it's coming up. We're going to get to that right now. When you're so angry and you, know, you, you don't even know quite what to say, but you want to say something, you just got to do exactly what David did. He shows us here. We're gonna, and when you write a, a sermon, you have transitions. I even have a little note here, transition. And this one was so easy because David already did the transition. David does the transition. Watch, just slow this. So that burning's inside of you, and you, you just want to do it. And then here's the answer. You got to lock this in. Verse 3, remember, my heart became hot within me. I mused, a groaning inside. The fire burned, and then I spoke with my tongue. Now, wait a minute, I thought, I thought David said to put a muzzle on him. I thought he said he stayed mute and silent. But no, he speaks. And why? He's mad. He's just about to, I'm going to hold it. I'm not, but it burns in my stomach so much. And then it got worse, so I spoke. And what's he say? See, because when you hold your peace to no avail and the distress grows worse, there's only one thing you can do, and that's what David does right here. He goes, praise you, God. He throws himself on God. He throws himself at God's feet. When you are distressed beyond where it's there, I don't care where you at. When you're about to have a fight with somebody, you really want to freak them out? Start praising Jesus in the middle of it. Oh, you, hallelujah, just saved your life. <laughs> David, I'm convinced, I'm convinced right here in this scripture. Well, let's just do it. It's four through six. Let's just read through it. He says, so he's burning in his heart and he says, I speak. Oh, Lord, make me know my end, that what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadth, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth, and he does not know who will gather. See, I believe, I believe personally that David, he's just, he might have just went full on flat on his belly right here. Prostrate. Not prostrate, prostrate, boom, on his belly. Have you, have you ever witnessed anybody full on laying it out for God, for real? I'm not talking about the TV Christian shows. I'm talking about real. Have you seen that? I actually, when I say when God takes you through the sermon, when Dave called me in my, in my uh, devotionals, I was in the Psalms. And I tell you, I'd pray about it, and we would do it. And this psalm, I knew it was this psalm. So I'm at church in this, I'm leaving church, and a lady pulls up in her car. And she's kind of frantic. And we go, are you okay? And she goes, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine now. She goes, my daughter, she was a three- or four-year-old daughter, she was on her scooter. I, I, um, I turned my back for a minute, and then she was gone. And she's been gone most of the day. We lost her. We've been searching for her, like, all day. What happened? And she said, well, Apparently she showed up here at the church, and one of the ladies at the church found her. And she was wise enough to uh, find out who she was and get the mom, and they were able to come over to our church and, and get her. And I said, wow, my goodness, praise God. Could, could I pray with you? Or something? I didn't know what to say. I said, can I pray with you? She goes, no, 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 I just have to thank God. 
she, I, I said, okay. And she ran right past me. True story. This week goes right to the door of the church and just bam. I'm not on her knees. Bam. Flat out. <laughs> my wife and a few other people were in the parking lot. My wife goes, Marty, Marty, is this lady, is she okay? <laughs> she didn't know what was happening. I go, yeah, she's not dying. She's praising God. It was beautiful. Have you ever been in a position where you wanted to praise God so much, you just don't even care? Listen, sometimes we can take a lesson from our Pentecostal brothers and sisters. Because I'll tell you, I had a, a, and we won't get all into that, but, but uh, I'll tell you what, they're not afraid to praise Jesus. They're not embarrassed of his name. And David didn't care. He got ridiculed for it. I'm just going to praise you, God. I'm about to kill these guys. Every one of these wicked people, I'm going to sin again. I, I'm just going to throw myself at your feet. Run, do what Joseph did. Run and then praise God if you got to do it. But just start worshiping God. Change the atmosphere. David realizes through his experiences in life the truth of God. See right here, he realizes the brevity of life. The shortness of life. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a flower of grass. And the grass withers, and the flower falls. First Peter 1.24. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what the day may bring. And you can go, let me tell you, do a search on shortness of life. The Bible, you'll see scripture after scripture after scripture of the brevity of life. The shortness, the preciousness of life. He compares it here to a hand breath. That's another word that really stands out here. And if maybe some of you don't know what that is, but a hand breath was a measurement that the Jewish people would use. It was like four fingers or three fingers, about three inches. And they used it for measuring really short distances, you know, to about nine inches, <laughs> you know, real short things. And see, he's comparing it completely to, to his life and to our lives. When we look at an eternal God, that's why he uses this measurement of the ridiculousness of the shortness of the amount of time that is here in our life compared to an eternal God. See, he's not using a Hubble telescope to measure that kind of distance or or an engineer's the type of things they use. No, just just a hand breath. He sees, I'm falling on you, Lord. I'm not going to waste my time doing this stuff anymore. This thing's a blink and it's over. See, he goes on to compare man's lives as a breath. I want you just to do this real quick. Please just humor me with this. I just want you to go... Go ahead, just do it. That's it. It's over. Where do you stand with God? What did you do in your life right now? 
did you find God? Did you receive God? That's it. That's literally, that's, when you think of the ridiculousness of eternity. I might have shared this with you. Chuck Smith shared this story. I might have shared this last time. If not, you'll enjoy it again. To give you just a little ask, just a little hint of what eternity's like. Imagine a little tiny sparrow, and he's on the west coast, and he takes a drop in his mouth. And then he turns around and he goes, whoop. Waits a whole day. A whole day goes by, and then he goes, whoop. And he does that all the way, one day at a time, until he gets to the east coast, and then he drops the water in. And then he does the same thing going back. By the time that little sparrow dumps this ocean all the way into that ocean will be just the morning coming up on the very first day of eternity. Come on, this is a big God. We're not playing games here. This is a Narnia. This is real. This is real stuff. I love, don't you love that? He's got a big God. He compares it to a breath. Come on now, you who say today or tomorrow he will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. tomorrow and the next day. You don't even know what's going on tonight. See, David knows it. It's hitting him home. What am I doing, Lord? I'm, I'm fooling myself like I'm this king, like I really got in control here. You put me here. Right. He just filled the father go, good boy. Right. So he sees the brevity of life, the shortness of life. And then he notices another thing. He notices the preciousness of life. Do you not know all things without, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. See, you're precious to God. Life is precious, and you're like a precious jewel to God. In fact, in Malachi, it's interesting. He's talking about end days there. I'll just touch on this. But Malachi refers to the one who fears God will be his treasured, his treasured possession. See, you're God's treasure. Not gold and all that. Because you'll remember, just go back through Revelation. I know you're doing that study in here. We just finished it. It's awesome. And God, you're his treasure. That gold, that's for paving streets. Right? You are created in his image. Life is precious. There's no time for this burning. There's no time for this, this 
out of the mouth. I looked at my, I just wanted my family. I looked at my family. I love you guys so much. Because it's one thing to prepare, get ready for the sermon, and then the real hits. If it's not hitting you, maybe you better ask God because maybe you're just faking it. The preciousness of life. David is truthful. He's honest with these feelings while praying with God. He's laying himself before the Father and just for all his mercy. See, God's truth is very real and it's very heavy, especially to someone who's caught up in transgressions with God and against him. We'll see this here in 7, 7 through 13. God's truth, so with truth, because God is truth, with truth. Truth comes discipline. And that really was the title tonight, is with truth, God is truth, comes discipline. And now, 7 through 13, and now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the scorn of the fool. I am mute. I do not open my mouth, for it is you who have done it. Remove your stroke from me. I am spent by the hostility of your hand. When you discipline a man with rebukes for sin, you consume like a moth what is dear to him. Surely all mankind is a breath. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears, for I am a sojourner with you, a guest like all my fathers. Look away from me, that I may smile again before I depart, and I am no more. There's three things that David says here that really stand out to me. The first one he says in verse 8, he says, deliver me from my transgressions. Transgressions, we're going to give some brief definitions, is rebellion against God. Verse 10, he says, remove your stroke from me. A stroke is something that you receive. It's created from touching someone, a strike or a blow. A stroke, like a stroke of the whip. And in verse 11 he says, when you discipline a man with rebukes for sin. Now remember, this is important. Discipline is to instruct or to teach. You've got to become kind. There's a real careful balance sometimes there with the way people use the word punishment or wrath. Discipline is because I want you to get better. I love you. We're not going to do this anymore. You have ability. Wrath is... And that kind of punishment is, it's over, and you're going to pay the price. This is discipline. Teach or instruct. And rebuke, real simply, express sharp disapproval or criticism. So, by David's own words here, we hear his own admission that he 
has been involved in some kind of sin. And he's being rebuked for it. We don't know exactly what that is. But in his lament, his individual lament, he is laying it out for the Lord. And if we take these brief definitions that we just had and we put them together, it's kind of interesting. It might sound something like this. I have rebelled against you, Lord. I feel the blemish on my skin from your instruction as an expression of your disapproval. Are you receiving discipline in your life right now and experiencing a blemish from a stroke of God's disapproval? Let's just finish up tonight with a few things. God is truth, right? God is truth. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is Lord. If you haven't got that down, we'll talk at the end. Jesus is Lord. He is God, and he is truth. Two, God loves and disciplines at the same time. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastises, disciplines, Every son whom he receives. Hebrews 12, 6. Like I said, don't take my word for it. That's in here, in the scripture. So like I said at the beginning of this section, with truth comes discipline. You see, God loves David. And he loves you. And he doesn't want you to keep going on sinning and living in that. And a good father will do whatever he can to stop his son or daughter from continuing to unleash things on their own life. Especially when they're unleashing things with their own mouth. So we can't look away and despise discipline. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Or be wary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves. As a father, the son in whom he delights. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. David is not a perfect guy. At this stage in his life, though, he's gained enough wisdom that he knows that if you're in any kind of rebellion or transgression against God, we need to fix this thing. You need to get out of it. And so as we see in verse 13, David, we're going to see this right here. Um, David is in complete surrender now to God. And he begs him, he begs him for mercy and just to give him relief on his life before he dies. Verse 13, he says, look away from me that I may smile again before I depart and am no more. David cries out for mercy. Some of you need to just cry out for mercy. And so do it. I do it all the time. God, here's the best prayer you can ever know. Jesus, help. Help. Help me. Have mercy on me. Help me now. And that's what, that's what, um, that's what David's doing. 
See, he's not, he's saying when he says, God, uh, look away from me. He's not saying, he's not saying, God, take your hand off me. Get out of my life. He's saying, God, this time out is hard. I can't take it anymore. Please forgive me. Please give me some relief. I know I've done a lot of wrong. I know I've done bad, and I've been caught in whatever this transgression is. But forgive me. I need relief. David's probably at the closer to the backside of his life here. And he's saying, I only got a short time. Smile on me again, Lord. Smile on me. Let me just go out shining for you. Who doesn't want a father that loves and says, that's my boy, that's my daughter. And God wants nothing more than to do that for you. But once you're in God's family, he's not going to allow you to goof it up. That's awesome too. It's scary. So just fall out. Just fall out for God. Wow. And it dries out that white stuff. It sticks around and kind of looks really weird. It's on your office. I'm kidding. I'm not. <laughs> that was terrible. Oh. He's crying out for mercy. Let's conclude with this. Have you cried out for God? Are you tired of being disciplined? Has the burning in your heart got so strong that you've caused trouble with your mouth? You have to call out to God like David in worship. Prayer is worship. Worship God and call out for mercy. You're so angry still from something before. You just want to get even. You're angry and you're going to do it. And remember the answer we got tonight. It's burning inside of you. You can't let it go. I'm going to sin. I'm going to make it worse. I want to win this fight. But God, I know the battle's not mine. You said the battle is yours. I need to let it go, but I'm going to blow it. I can't stay here. Hallelujah, Jesus. I need your help. I need your help. And I'm telling you, if somebody thinks you're crazy for crying out for Jesus, awesome. What did you just do? I had to cry out to Jesus because I almost, I almost killed you, man. You didn't know, but it's like this whole battle inside. And never mind. I love Christ. Praise God. He saved your day. He saved mine too. I know God's bailed you out like that. Some of you before. I see the looks on your faces. Like I've been there. It just bailed me out. Like this could have been a whole different day, but it didn't because you heard God's voice and you answered because he always provides a way out. But we have to pay attention. These troubling things, these, these painful things, these disciplining things are sometimes rough and these painful things. But uh, Dr. Constable put it this way. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience. But he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to arouse a deaf world.
get wise with this stuff. Getting wise is, is it's almost just like, <laughs> it's an oxymoron. It's like getting stupid. What? Right. God, I'm like, I, I know I got straight A's in school and I got all those awards and I graduated from Berkeley and all this stuff and didn't make me a good dad. Didn't make me have integrity. It didn't make me a godly man. I need your help. I need your help. This pain's enough. I'm missing something here, and I've had enough. So I'm just humbling myself. And I'm just saying, I want that to stop because this isn't good. This isn't good. And there's something I'm involved here, and I know. See, it's that old thing. I can come here and play Christian for you. But that doesn't really mean anything. It might speak to you. God will use it. But in my own life and in your own life, God's always with you, seeing and knowing everything you do. Out of all that, one key point. When it's on the line and you're going to burst, worship God. Look at the Lord's Prayer. Tells us how to pray. It's the first thing it does. Hallowed be thy name. Worships God. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for our lives, all of our lives, and what you've done with this message, what you've done in my life and in other people's lives. Bless us to grow on the ground right where we're at. To be better for you. I, I, just, I just thank you, Father God, to bless everyone in this room, all of us with longevity in ministry. Bless us that none of us would be, uh, that none of us would be discluded from the race of life, that we would serve you and glorify you, and that if there's any of us that we're, we're caught up in a little sin, maybe we're not even quite aware that that's something that you're not smiling upon, that you bring it to awareness and you, you get us out from it and free us from it, Father God. We thank you for this church the families that are being saved here and blessed here and that it continues here. Thank you for the protection over this church, over, over Old Town Orange, over Voyage, Calvary Chapel, our church, and just blessing all the people. Thank you, Father God. We love you. And we just give it all to you and cry out in worship. Amen.